Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Paula V. Paula V. Riddow is an executive leadership coach and specializes in coaching corporate leaders and their teams on achieving their highest potential. She is also a life purpose transformation coach and helps professional women lead a life of no regrets by uncovering their purpose and leading a fulfilling life. Paula V. has an MBA from the George or the George Washington University and completed her undergraduate degree from India. Paula V. is passionate about empowering women and provides pro bono coaching services to underserved communities in India. But her number one passion is her son. And in her spare time, she loves to travel and compete in Toastmasters International Speech Championships. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure, Megan. So when you applied, you talked about how you got to a place where you did not want to live with any regrets. Can you take us back to when that moment was? What happened where you're like, I just can't do this anymore. I need to just live my life and enjoy the time I have. Absolutely. Wow. We're going to start there, huh? Okay, let's do this. <laughs> it was uh, it was a pretty dark time, I would say, in my life. And uh, people can't see us, but I'm on Zoom. And I, I'm an optimist. I smile all the time. And you can see me doing that. Even in my darkest times, I was like this, which is ironic. So nobody really could tell. So my darkest time was I was at the highest level of my career. Ironic, right? And being tapped for higher level positions. And when that was happening, I was having these panic attacks and anxiety. And I couldn't understand what was going on with me, why I had been unhappy, like for the past few years, going into work seemed like a really big uh, undertaking. And what was ironic is I loved where I work. I still love the organization where I was. It was a not-for-profit, one of the best organizations I've worked for. But what was happening is my inner purpose wasn't aligned with what I was doing. So at that executive level that I was, I was doing global talent management and I was doing more of the, you know, managing the team and the high level projects and being in meetings all day and doing stuff that wasn't a part of the core skill set that I loved, which was go out there, coach people, help change their lives. So every day it just seemed like it was dragging. And also it was a global organization. I supported about 34 countries. So in any given day, wow. I might be on a call with Japan in the morning and you know Brazil in the night and somewhere in between some other countries or just local. And you can imagine what a toll that takes on someone. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm Indian. I was, you know, was born there, raised there. So I think part of being in our DNA is, you know, we just give everything we can. And that's just who we are. So here I was a workaholic mom and my son, right from the time he was born, he saw this crazy mother always working, always on, all the time, on a phone, in meetings or planning for meetings and no time for him and stressed out because if, if somebody came to me for unplanned stuff, which is like my son comes to me to spend time with me, I'm stressed out because what about <laughs> that meeting I'm trying to get ready for? Yeah. So it was just, you know this, you have four kids. So you yes. know exactly what I'm talking about. 
So unfortunately, the love of my life experienced a really uh, stressed out person. And my marriage also was was on the rocks. It, it Not because of these, but other reasons. So there was the marriage stress. There was the stress of not being a good mother and the stress of not living a purposeful life in my job itself. And then being tapped for a higher level position, which they wanted me to take. <laughs> and and during all this, unfortunately, I lost my mom. Um, she died uh, uh, cancer really bad. And she was in India during this whole time. And my boss then supported me. Again, great work, great boss. She let me go to India, spend a month there with my mom. But you know, when we have loss in life, especially a parent, a sibling, a, a, a loved one, a, a spouse, your life flashes in front of your eyes, right? You, you think about what am I doing, right? If it was me tomorrow, what would I do? And that's what happened with my mom's passing is, I really thought through what was going on with me. And I started to tell myself, I need to do something. But I really didn't do anything. And then uh, within 13 months, my father passed away. Oh, wow. And it was it was really tough. It was devastating. You know, one with the loss of my mom. But my dad, we didn't expect it. He wasn't sick or anything. And my theory is that he just missed her. You know, he just... Yeah, heartbroken. Heart, right? So before he passed, he was in good health. He said something to me, which was kind of like my breaking point. You asked me the question, like, you know, what led you to that point? And he was so proud of me, right? You know, because he was CEO of a company and his vision was his daughter would have a similar position. And I was on my way to have a very senior level role in the organization. And, and, but what he said to me is one day we were just sitting there having a really deep conversation. And he said, look, Pallavi, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of my life. I'm so proud of what I've done. And his is a rags to riches story. Like he literally walked three to five, four miles to school. He was in a village and he had a thirst for knowledge, very high IQ, brilliant, brilliant guy, but he, no shoes would walk. Um, and, and, you know, nowadays kids, you know, you put them in your car and you drive them to school. They're like, I don't want to go to school. <laughs> and here is my poor father who had also lost his parents at a very young age, but very driven. So he tells me, he's like, I am very happy with my life. I, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of what I've accomplished, but mostly I'm proud of my three kids and what you guys have done. So if it's my time tomorrow, I'm ready. These were his words, Megan. And even now saying those just, just like gives me a chill. You know, I just got goosebumps just talking about it. And that just stopped me in my tracks. And I asked myself, if it's my turn tomorrow, am I ready? And of course, The answer was no, absolutely. I had so much unfinished business. And once he passed, I really took that to heart because even after he said it, I I didn't do much about the situation I was in. But once he passed, it was like, it was almost like, you know, I needed to do that for my parents, if not for myself, which of course I had to do it for myself. So I started making all these changes and leading that life of no regrets. Oh, I love that. I mean, I'm so sorry for your loss. I can't, I can't even imagine you. It sounds like you were very close to your parents. Um, I do not have a close relationship to my parents. So I honestly cannot imagine being in that situation, you know, where you're losing like within 13 months to people that you are very close to. Uh, but I, the one thing that came out of that loss is you're like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, do I want to be like my father where I can just say, Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. If I have to go. 
So what did you do? How did you change that? You said you Uh, didn't change it right away. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, for, uh, for most people, when, when they're going through these very big decisions or, or things that are bothering them, where they're unhappy about it and, and have been thinking about it, they're thinking about it for a long time. Right. So I had been thinking about it for a while. It first started with me being unhappy and then figuring out why is it, why am I being unhappy? Like really getting to the root cause. So it had been years in the making. Um, I also, you know, decided to go and get some therapy, which I think is brilliant. Everybody should have a therapist at some point, right? Whether things are good or bad, we all need an outlet. And so I had been seeing a therapist too, who helped to help me see, see these, you know, things that were emerging. And slowly, uh, there was a lot of fear, of course, right? So I'm Indian, as I mentioned already. <laughs> I mentioned that a few times. <laughs> so being Indian, the reason I say it comes with a certain set of, if you want to call it, expectations and yeah. rules and guidelines. Wait, I'm, no, no guidelines, rules. Seriously. <laughs> and some things you just don't break. Uh, so, you know, you don't like take a risk where you, you just quit your job. I mean, even that's regardless of being an Indian, but, um, marriage, marriage is for life. That's how I was raised. I still believe that. Um, I, I unfortunately, you know, I, my, um, uh, I have a very amicable relationship with my ex, but, uh, I was committed to that. And so was he, but things happen, right? Yeah. But it is unacceptable in Indian culture to do that. And that held me back for a long time, the norms, the societal expectation. And of course, you know, my parents and my family, and you don't want to disappoint people, but a lot of Indian women find themselves caught in this and they never do anything, not just Indian women, Indian men. And I'm not saying everybody go, go get a divorce. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about other societal norms and expectations, right. which we which we put ourselves in a box and we say, no, I cannot do anything about it. But uh, we are very happy right now and we are great co-parents and my son sees happy mom and happy dad and we all hang out as a family, which some people think is very odd, but- No, great co-parents. Right? Yeah. So that was one of the biggest decisions is, uh, and the funny part is, you know, I have, uh, I, I, I work with CEOs all the time. I work with very powerful people. I, I've also had the opportunity to, you know, sit and talk to one of the presidents of India at one point. I had no problems with that. But to be a single mom, oh my gosh. I feel you. I was, was there too. Life. Yeah. Right? It is so scary. Well, not for others, but for me. People ask me, are you scared of anything at all? Because I tend to be this leading a life of no regrets person. That was the one thing that really scared me. And it was not financial. I was doing so well. I was making, I mean, women out there, you talk about inequality in pay. There was none of that. I had made sure I negotiated my salary and I was making very good money in Los Angeles, California. Uh, but it was not about financially supporting him. It was everything else that went with yeah. it. And his dad has always been very hands-on and the guy to be, right? I, mean, I was in competition with dad for the longest time to be the best parent. And he was the best parent. And I was jealous of that because <laughs> I was never around. So the, the number one decision was to, to do something about the marriage, which we had been trying, but we, we agreed that it was time. The second decision was to, uh, to exit my career. So... In the, you know, for, for the longest time, I would say I quit my job, but it was not that. I, I loved my job. I didn't quit it. I exited that career. 
And, and people were very worried for me. They're like, you don't have another job in hand. What are you going to do? And now you're a single mom. I was like, well, another job is not the, the answer because I love where I worked. It's about what is my purpose? What am I meant to do? Can I say what my dad said is I'm content. I'm proud of what I did. So it was about to go, go and start my own consultancy. And then the third thing was to be closer to family. So I moved the family to Dallas, Texas, where most of our families from my husband, ex-husband's side and my side. So those were some of the things that, uh, that took uh, a little bit of time, but uh, it all happened all at once. And they say, <laughs> don't make too many changes at the same time. That's not how I operate. So. <laughs> you just dived head on in like, you're like, I got this. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And uh, so I decided to take a year off work. So moved to Dallas, Texas. And during that year, my plan was, first of all, mend my relationship with my son. Number one priority, right? Because he saw this crazy mom all the time. And we had this moment, it was literally about two weeks, we had moved to Texas. I was in the car, I was driving, he was in the backseat. He is, he, he's 11. Yeah. And he says to me, he's like, mom, you're different. And, you know, I'm a coach. I always ask deep questions. <laughs> I don't care you're two years old or you're 90 years old. You will get my deep question. I'm like, um, what do you mean by I'm different? Can you say more? And he's like, yeah, mom, you, you're so happy. You don't yell at me anymore. <laughs> not stressed out. And I teared up right there. I had this big fat tear rolling down my eyes. And I was so quiet. And he asked me a question because he's like, why are you quiet? And, uh, and I told him, I said, I had gotten emotional. And, uh, and this, is, this is the reason why is I couldn't find that peace when I was in the, the very hectic job that I was in. And I had to acknowledge that is money isn't everything. A career rung isn't everything. Sometimes, you know, you have to evaluate your life and the plans you have laid out for yourself or, the, or your parents or your family they may not be the right plans in that season of your life. So you have to ask yourself the question. So we did that. And uh, so then the other thing was I love to travel and I, I've traveled extensively for my work, but now it was for pleasure. And yeah. I hadn't taken my son on all those travels. So we had a wedding coming up in India. So uh, I was gonna take him to the wedding. And then I, I told myself, wait a second, I'm in corporate America. I'm no longer tied to the two week or three week vacation. Why am I just going for two weeks? Well, okay, let me add a few other spots or other places. And then I started talking to more and more people who started telling me, oh, you should go here, you should go there. And I'm, I'm a person who either is at zero or is at hundred. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much in the middle there. <laughs> so that's how we planned our amazing travel. Oh, that's, that's awesome. See. I feel like everybody's different, right? What works for one person doesn't work for another. And, you know, you have to really be in tune with who you are and what makes you feel good. And, you know, all those things. I was an entrepreneur for a while and it didn't work for me. I didn't like it. I want somebody to tell me what to do. I don't like the, that hectic, fast pace, like all this stress. I was not, like you said, I was not the best parent. I was cranky and I was irritable and I, you know, I, somebody interrupted those plans and I was just like, ah, but once I decided like entrepreneurship isn't for me, as much as people were telling me like, you're great, you do a good job. 
I stepped back from that. I decided to go back to school so I could be a professor because I like to teach. Teaching is one of my favorite things to do. That was my favorite part of being an entrepreneur is being able to teach. Uh, but I, I work for an entrepreneur and she loves it. She thrives off of it. Those like really, she says like, you know, when the deadline's coming up, she's so motivated. And I'm like, not me. No, don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand where you're coming from, where you're saying like, that was just not for you. Like as much as like, it was amazing. You enjoyed the company. It was just, it was too much. And you couldn't be the mom that you wanted to be. So I, I would love to have you share. You said you took your son on your travels, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Share with us a little bit about that. Like that's, that's amazing to be able to travel with your kids. Uh, when my um, spouse retires from his current job, which will be in two and a half years, we want to, we'll, we should have more freedom to be able to travel. And we want to be able to take our kids on vacations and like, you know, see different parts of the world uh, with his job. Now we haven't had that opportunity because he's just not really available. <laughs> But that's our hope someday. And I would love to hear about you traveling with your son and the kind of things that you you all experienced. Yeah, certainly. First of all, congratulations to your husband in advance, of course, for his (laughs) retirement. I get so excited when I hear like people talk about the retirement, especially younger people. I mean, you know, you don't seem that old. I'm assuming. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm 35. uh, But the job he has right now uh, he can retire at 20 years and get retirement. Oh, wow. So he can do two whole jobs. <laughs> wow. You guys are in such an enviable position from, you know, other, others looking at you. So yes, wishing you the very best. And uh, of course you can reach out to me anytime for tips after this podcast as well. Thank for you. That's our plan. So, uh, so our story about the travel. Uh, so as I mentioned to you, right, we had the wedding in India to go to, and then slowly my travel plan started expanding so um, as I was talking to my son about going places, uh, he, he likes uh, World War. He's a World War buff. And he's also a fan of video games. I mean, what yeah. boy isn't, right? And he's, he's nine then. Right? Yeah, my so, son's obsessed. Obsessed. Right, right. obsessed. <laughs> so he wanted to go see Dan TDM. Um, and Dan TDM lives in London, I guess. Uh, not I guess, he does. And uh, so, so my son's like, London has to be a spot. So I've traveled extensively. London, I've been many times. So we ended up choosing some places which I've already been to, but it, it, was, a, it was a joint effort, him yeah. and I. We planned this and we went in 2019, by the way, the entire summer. So what we did is because my plans extended so much, we ended up going to so three continents, wow. 13 countries and 27 cities. And, and so the way I boxed myself, because I could keep going, right? right? You were like, I could do this all year long. I know, I could have, and just blown through all my savings. I, a lot of people ask me, how did you manage when you had no income? It is because I was very good with my money. So that's a big lesson learned is you, you know, have a good long-term um, uh, point of view on just, you know, your life in general. Yeah. So um, I boxed in by using around the world in 80 days <laughs> as a trip. So yeah. we went for exactly 80 days, which is two and a half months, which is pretty much the entire summer. So my son eventually told me, mom, I don't want to do this another summer. And <laughs> he says, when are we going to go travel? Because he's stuck because of COVID. Right. 
<laughs> so we didn't follow the itinerary of around the world in 80 days the the book right the famous book and the movie as well but we came up with our own itinerary so the the countries we went to we decided um india he he hasn't gone that often he's this is like his third or fourth trip so i wanted to show him uh, where i grew up you know my college and other other cool places the taj mahal of course we had to do yeah. the taj So we we did about eight to ten cities in India itself, um, and it was a blast. He got to meet some of my old friends and connect with the friends' kids and take in a lot of historical stuff. We had some family also join us for the India trip, which was fun. And of course, the wedding. If you haven't been to any Indian wedding, I've seen some. <laughs> I haven't been, but I've seen some. Uh, you know, I have uh, friends who have been, and beautiful, just. gorgeous and fun and it just looks like a blast. Yes, it is a blast. It's it's a lot though, you know, it can be 2 to 5 days depending wow. on the culture, the the type of family it is. Uh so ours was a long wedding. Um it was and it was it was my cousin's wedding, so it was fun. So we did that in India and you know, he soaked in that culture and the we are both foodies even though he was 9 and then he's a foodie. So yeah. that helped a lot, you know, when your kids can eat anything and everything. Absolutely. They actually ask for interesting and weird things. You're like, "Yes, that's awesome." <laughs> I feel that. That's how my kids are and I kind of brought him up that way because we're like our rule is is like even if you think you won't like it, just try it. Nice. And if you still don't like it, I'm not going to force you to eat all of it, right? But just try it. Just try yeah. a little bit because you just don't know if you're going to like it. You, yeah, if you never try it. And again in life, the same thing applies. If you leading a life of no regrets, right? If you don't try it, how will you know? How will you know that's what you were meant to do or you weren't meant to do? So uh so we then after India, uh we did uh, some of the other Asian countries. So we did Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia and Thailand. So all of them are you know right next to each other. And brilliant. The travels were brilliant. Uh I um uh, uh because people were so worried about us. We were actually family members was trying to discourage us when we were at the international airport leaving from India. They were still telling us, "Are you sure you want to do this?" <laughs> I said, "It's okay people. It's okay to take a risk. Otherwise you won't know what you're missing out on." So uh, our favorite uh spot everything was a favorite i get asked this question all the time but one of the most um, memorable moments were in uh, lao uh, laos some people call it laos it's this country that sandwiched between vietnam and thailand okay and we went to this humane elephant sanctuary so i'm going to share with you two two key moments in our travels both are around animals and uh, so they rescue uh, these elephants because these elephants are abused and used their entire oh. lives it's very sad very and sad. for logging logging industry and they they had all female elephants in this camp and the elephants did only three things they did, they ate they slept and they swam <laughs> so it was so cute and uh, a lot of the other sanctuaries what they they call it a sanctuary but it's mostly a tourist attraction yeah. and they get people to go and swim with the elephants or ride them but when you do that they have this hook that they put behind the elephant's ear oh and they traumatize the elephant and their ears are torn because of that oh. so i had already known about this i did my research and the travel agency i went through they kept insisting we go through these uh, people to swim with the elephants and they were cheaper no it's okay it's okay i would rather not do that i want to go to humane camp because also my son is with me these are those teachable moments right in right. life 
So we went and uh, we, you know, we, we were through the admission, we actually paid for one whole day's worth of food. They eat a lot of food. That was a lot oh, yeah. of money we paid for it. <laughs> but what we did was for half a day, we walked side by side with the elephants. And, and I know we are on Zoom, your audience will not see it, but I want to show you this picture. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. And it's on your Instagram? It's on my Instagram. It's my personal handle. But if you want to follow it, you can uh, feel free to. It's P Ridout. P-R-I-D-O-U-T. I was only active during my travels, but once in a while I'll put some pictures there. But I love photography too. So that's my, my thing. So the picture Megan just saw and you heard a reaction is my son standing next to the elephant kissing its trunk. So cute. Just like you would kiss your dog or your cat. And that moment was so just incredible it was serene it was scary also it's, it's this magnificent animal so big so big who can just turn around and do something and then I was standing there worried but happy at the same time so we walked for half a day with them they went into a stream and they did their thing and we just watched them we fed them the elephants get bananas as uh, special treats when guests are coming. Oh, so we got to do that. We actually had to go on a boat in a river to go to the sanctuary. And we actually rode the boat ourselves. So that was an amazing moment in, um, in Southeast Asia. And the other countries also, we had amazing moments, but then we don't have enough time on this podcast to come Right? <laughs> You're like, I could do a whole episode just on my travels. I know, I know I could. Um, and then, so then we moved to um, Europe after that. And in Europe, because he wanted to meet Dan TDM, we went to London and we had a great time where a friend of his from Los Angeles surprised him in London at a coffee shop. And we had this video of the friend's mom and me crying because these boys didn't know they were meeting each other. And they had this amazing expression on their face saying, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> so it was really cute. That was, that was a great moment. But another good moment was um, in, uh, in Prague, in Czech Republic. So we, were, uh, we did a lot of walking tours. And uh, there were times when the, the, the soles of our feet, I like to call it, right? We have a soul in, inside us, in our heart. Yeah. Whatever, but the soles of our feet, they were like bleeding our, yeah. our shoes were torn because we walked so much anyway we were on this another walking tour and uh, we go to this famous bridge called charles bridge okay and there's these big lions that flank the bridge and i'm looking at the architecture and enamored by it and and we are crossing we're about to cross the bridge and there is this guy there with a python around oh. yeah see your reaction maybe. i am not a fan of snakes at all yes <laughs> I had the same reaction. So <laughs> I took my son's hand and I dragged him as far away as I could. And he instead dragged me the other way, try to go as close to the python. He's nine. They, ha they have no fear. I right. about children. There is no fear. Us adults, we have so much fear, so many inhibitions. So I drag him to the middle of the bridge and he's like, mom, I want to go see the python. And you know, I had this big epiphany right there on the middle, in the middle of that bridge with all these people around us and us having this tug of war saying, I am leading this life of no regrets. I'm taking all these risks and, and really, you know, breaking some societal norms, trying to tell people it's okay, you should follow your dreams. And then I'm telling my son that don't go near that snake because your mother is afraid of it. So I'm being those people who are trying to pull me down from my journey. And I had to let go. 
And I said, go. And he ran, he ran back to that man. And the man plays that snake around his neck. And the snake is way bigger and longer than my nine-year-old son. <laughs> and are you okay if I just show you this picture real yes, quick? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Because here's the reason why I want to show you the picture. Once you see the picture, you will know uh, why. And I'll, I'll tell the audience this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. it, it's way longer than him. But look at his face. He's so excited. He is just so excited. That expression, he was ecstatic. He was happy. He was petting that snake and doing all kinds of things, which we will not get into. <laughs> but I, and as I said, I love photography. So I captured all those expressions on his face. And that's how we should be in life is embrace fear, embrace fearful things. But then once you embrace them, in this case, he wasn't fearful, clearly. But you may actually find out you enjoy it. That's where I am at right now. I mean, you know, in my journey is I, I was worried. I was scared. How am I going to you know, start a business and do all these things and be a single mom? I have never been more happier, more content, more fulfilled. Uh, certainly not as uh, probably, uh, what do you call it? Not rich, what pocket, heavier pockets in my, you know, in a full-time yeah. job, you're making a steady paycheck. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, new entrepreneur, there are ups and downs, but I haven't been happier before. So that, that those are kind of my travel stories. We have so many more stories. Oh, but- I love it. I mean, my daughter, uh, who is going to be 12, uh, like not long after this airs animal whisperer this child needs to be like a zoologist a veterinarian something to do with animals because i have yet to meet an animal who did not like this child okay she will just pick up snakes and she doesn't care and she's like i'm like she her her bonus mom sent me a picture of her just like holding the snake and I'm like oh my god no <laughs> like, I've gotten better with my fear of snakes but I'm like no I'm not holding it but like your son that picture reminded me of her we're just grinning ear to ear they just yeah. don't even care they're just like look at me it's incredible it is incredible well good for your daughter really good and and hopefully she will go into that field which really makes her happy Yes. She would be great at it. We keep telling her like, you are so good with animals. Just go into a field that you work with animals in some yeah. capacity. Cause you'd be great. Uh, so like we're getting low on time. I'd love for you to share, like, what are your tips for living a life with no regrets? You've been doing this for a couple of years now. Like, I mean, and throughout a pandemic, cause let's just say it's been rough. Yes. <laughs> So what are your tips for the audience about living a life of no regrets? Yes, certainly. And yes, you're right. I did start my business uh, three months before the pandemic hit. So talk about timing. Yeah. Great ride. So what I would say to the audience is, um, and I I primarily work with women um, who are are trying to do this. So typically the women I work with tend to be between like in 40s through 60s, because I find that that's when we are kind of coming into our own. 
Yeah. We are recognizing who we are. We have probably done things that others wanted us to do, fulfill all those obligations as whatever, you fill in the blanks, daughter, wife, mother, partner, employee. And now you're, you're wondering what kind of a legacy do I want to leave behind, right? Who do I want to be known for? And mainly, I want to be proud for the work I've done. So a lot of women, they, they gravitate towards me because they hear about my journey, first of all, but then they are like, itching to do their own thing so my my um i have like this it's very simple three-step framework uh that i i talk about i teach i coach on and it's called uh the leading a life of no regrets three pillar framework the pillar one is uncover your purpose and and i don't call it discover i call it uncover because it's there somewhere deep within you right and let's say your daughter, you know, she grows up, goes to engineering school and does engineering work for a while, but buried deep inside her is that love for animals. And that's going to come and get her every single time. And I have so many stories of people like that who eventually have said, I, I, I have to do something related to, in this case, let's use your daughter as an example, related to animals. So it's uncovering that purpose. And it doesn't mean in, in my case, I, I, you know, I, I exited my career. It doesn't mean exiting your career, or quitting your job. But it means being true to who you are. So maybe it's that side hustle. Maybe it's starting that charitable organization, writing that book, you know, being a podcast host. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> so the first one is uncovering your purpose. It, it can be a little tricky to do that. And mainly it has to do with your values. It has to do with really recognizing, digging deep and saying, what makes me happy? Uh, what am I good at? What do other people gravitate towards me for? And then and then figuring out what that is and doing that. Then the second thing is uh, having a winning mindset. So if you don't have that winning mindset, that's where most people are, you know, they find that they hold themselves back. So fear, we talked about fear quite a bit, and that is a big driver, but people will not take that next step. So one has to, fear is very normal. It's very natural. Everybody mm -hmm. has fear. I mean, you think of Oprah Winfrey, you don't think she was scared and worried? I mean, she probably are, still is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not to your point, Megan. It's not a one and done deal. Like, oh, this is my fear. I conquered it. I, I'm scared of public speaking. Now I'm going to go talk. But there's other fears we have. It's about constantly recognizing the fear, naming it, and then moving forward. And then in the mindset piece also, you know, there is... Um, this really great concept called growth mindset and fixed mindset. So it's recognizing what kind of mindset you have. And if it's fixed, moving more into that growth mindset. Right. And growth mindset means embracing your failures. Try something. If it doesn't work, figure out a different way and another way, right? A lot of successful people didn't find success just like that. They have struggled, but it's that mindset that gets you there. So that's number two. So first was uncover your purpose. Second is create a winning mindset. I, I want to cut in just before you get to number three. My spouse always says, if you don't ask, the answers always no. Yes. <laughs> and it's so great. Yes. If you don't ask, the answers always no. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I have to write that down. Um, and the third one is um, taking courageous action. So there are two pieces in there. There's action, but then there's courageous action because action can be just anything, right? Mm -hmm. Courageous is when you are going to kind of break through some of those barriers, either they're barriers within yourself or barriers others have put for, forth in front of you, but breaking that and, and then taking that courageous action to do something about it, which tends to be, you know, another big piece of the puzzle. And I also like to say, you know, um, uh, so if you have inaction, 
nothing will happen, right? Mm-hmm. Action creates equal. What, what what is that? I, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna get it. Oh, oh, uh, uh, what is it? Actual uh, action creates an equal or greater reaction. Yes, something. Yeah, like I think that. that's what it is. Yes. <laughs> and right after we end the podcast, that's gonna come to me, and I'll be like, "Oh man, I should have said that." I <laughs> know that happens to me sometimes. I get up and I'm re-listening. You know, when it airs, and I'm like. Dang, I should have said this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, every action creates an equal and opposite reaction. There you go. It? Yes, there's a I think so. Got it. You got it. So yeah, so if you if you're just going to sit on your couch, nothing's going to happen. But you take that one tiny action, it'll create another action. It creates what is called momentum. And that momentum will take you into the next thing, right? So, uh, what is it? A journey of a thousand miles begins with that one small step. And then in the end, what I like to also say is I have this saying that I live by, uh, obviously leading a life of no regrets is, is just like my whole philosophy. Yeah. The saying is think big, start small, move fast. Right. That's great. It's, it's simple. It's simple, but it's so powerful. So I have it written up here on my office wall and I look at it like every day I look up, think big, start small, move fast. Yes. I have to remember that in every single action I take as well, because it, all the stuff, you know, those tiny, tiny things, they compound, they add up. And then if you are looking at yourself five years down the line and every day you've done something new, different, or every day you've done something scary, remember the fear piece? Yeah. And imagine how much that will add up to five years. So I look at myself, you know, two years ago, I just exited my career. And now I have two thriving, corp- a corporate coaching practice, a speaking practice. And then I have a leading a life of no regrets practice. And two years ago, if you had told me that, I would have said, Megan, you're crazy. <laughs> Entrepreneur, I don't know what that means. I don't even know how to spell it. And, and here it is. And it's not been an easy journey by any means, but it has been such an incredibly fulfilling journey, a journey of learning, journey of being very humbled by, by understanding what it takes to get there. Um, and also where I get to meet amazing people along this way and hear their stories and when I can help them get to where they want to, that's just like my ultimate purpose. So there you go. Well, I, I always ask it. I'm like, there you go. You wrapped it up. But <laughs> I always ask this question. I got to ask it. So as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? I would like to say, and I kind of said it already, I would say do one scary thing every day. It can be very small and, or it could be very big because once you start doing that, our confidence levels increase. And there is that, you know, when you have the small wins, it, it, it makes you feel so good. And then it expands your horizons. And that's where you go into then that whole life of no regrets. So uh, I, I did a whole study on it and I, I, um, I, I give a talk every Tuesday night in my Facebook group. So this was a topic then. And as I researched it, there was some really interesting things came up about what could be those things. So there was this guy who ran an experiment on that and scary things were like, or sometimes silly things. He went to a Starbucks, I think. And he said to people, can I be a greeter? Like Walmart has a greeter. Can I be a Starbucks greeter? Because he, he was scared to talk to people. And they said, sure, go ahead, do it. So that was a scary thing he did. And then one day he went to somebody's house and said, can I plant this in your backyard? 
So those are some silly examples, but you can start small and then and then uh, take it at a bigger level. But that's what is needed um, for us, especially as women. You know, we tend to be more more giving, more nurturing. We tend to make all these sacrifices for everyone in our lives, and we don't take care of ourselves. So do one scary thing every day, and it'll set you on a path to leading your own life of no regrets. There you go. See, everybody just had all the things laid out for them. They just need to start working on it. If you had talked to me, oh, what was it when I went back to school? Three, three years ago, four years ago? I don't remember. But if you had told me like, oh, you're going to be pursuing a master's and eventually a PhD in psychology, I'd be like, no way. Not, not going to happen. Not me. But now I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going into a master's program in the fall. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get to that PhD level. <laughs> well, Pallavi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was my pleasure. It was great to get to know you and, and just have a chat. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.